0: Welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor, and with us right now, one of the funniest people on the worldwide web, Mr. Gus Johnson. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. Thanks for for being available to us and sharing your hilarious comedy brain. Because as longtime listeners may know, comedy was my first like love, create creatively, and it's kind of why I got into creating things. On the internet, you do it so well. I first came across you on Twitter, actually, because of the video. And I'm gonna, I want—I want to get the title right here. Got a new chair, and in "Got a new chair," for those who haven't <laughs> seen it, I highly recommend you go go on YouTube and just search "Gus Johnson got a new chair." Uh, it's a quick joke, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Gus, you're you're sitting in a lazy boy, and you crank on the reclining element of the of the lazy boy and it turns out that the uh it was over calibrated and it's so forceful that it breaks both of your legs so how can i just
1: say (laughs) it sounds so much funnier when you describe it in in great detail like this than actually watching it
0: (laughs) well that's how that's how my brain processes Things like this, but I want to know where that came from. Like, how do you oh. one day say, Hey, you know, it would be really funny if I pretended like I broke my legs on a recliner?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I realize <laughs> when you dissect it like that, my feet are to the flames. I can't come up with a very clever answer on that. I just thought it'd be funny to have the legs bend forward like that. The thing is, that is such a, it's such a fun but shitty sight gag, uh, and it took us forever to do it. And it wasn't even because we just like were trying to engineer it like really well. Uh, it was just, I took an old pair of running sweatpants and I just stuffed my bent knees into it and sat on my legs and then crammed a bunch of toilet paper and, and newspaper and stuff down there. And then I safety pinned an old pair of sneakers to the bottoms of the, of the tennis, or the, of the sweatpants and stuff. But the problem is we kept cracking up because it looked so stupid every single time. So it took us like an hour to film this like 10 second video. <laughs> and who did you
0: shoot that with? Your brother?
1: Yeah, shout out my brother. He does YouTube stuff as well. Yeah, check out, check
0: out Sven, Sven Johnson. Very, very funny as well. Do you, is there any way, just out of my own selfishness, we can get Sven to like cut together
1: the outtakes of that? Like just for <laughs> me? Because I'd love to see it. Oh yeah gosh I probably got the card uh, full of those things uh, th- that's the one of my biggest problems though is like with with SD cards and stuff I'm terrible at at backing stuff up so I have some stuff on like a hard drive otherwise I just have like dozens and dozens of these loose unlabeled SD cards that I pray I have footage on sometimes. I really need to get my shit together in that arena so I'll do some digging. I remember
2: the uh, the first video of yours that I saw too and it was uh, the JK Rowling. Oh yeah. where
1: <laughs> you're like <laughs> hiding in
2: the other room or whatever and i i don't think i knew who you were at that point um but i continue to show that like i'd say probably once every week or two <laughs> i i send that video to someone well i guess uh, it, like it has lasting power dude well,
1: yeah i was like yeah, unfortunately i'm, her, I'm lucky powers. that it's continuously relevant because she just keeps doing that it's the thing <laughs> so I'm like all right thanks jk it really helps <laughs>
0: Well, just for those who aren't familiar with what this video is, the the joke is that J.K. Rowling keeps like retrofitting different um what would you call it? Like, oh, like attributes, attributes uh, to the characters yeah. that yeah. weren't there in order to garner like some sort of uh I don't know, like unnecessary checkbox or or like fictional checkbox of what, like, inclusive... inclusivity elements? I don't even know how you articulate, like,
1: what she's doing. Exactly. Because it's like, you don't want to... you don't want to criticize... The things that she's saying, just like, oh, like she's adding maybe trans characters in or or uh, maybe changing the race of a character and stuff. And like, that's not inherently bad to have those characters in, but it comes across as as kind of stupid when you're doing it so retroactively. So it comes across as nothing but just trying to get kind of woke points like this. It's like if that was your original intent, that's fine. But you clearly didn't state that in the books. And it seems like you're just trying to get Internet points. It right started now by with her it on retroactively. You know? gay. Yeah, and I, I do think that one was, wasn't that kind of in the books though? Like whether or not it was explicitly stated?
2: Yeah, it made, it made some sense where it's yeah. like, okay, she didn't weave this directly into the story, but you can see how it would influence this or influence that. And it matters fleshing out the character. That was, I don't think really anybody had much of an issue mm-hmm. with her explaining that. But then it didn't stop there. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it started to get, uh, you know, this character is different. I forget some of the specifics. Do you, either of you guys remember uh, some of the other pieces? Oh, boy. Because all I remember, the things I remember are from your video, not what she actually said.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. Don't take my <laughs> video as, as truth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> damn i don't remember uh the specifics right now i just i just even google it really quick i think she had uh said that a character was potentially trans um i remember too the pottermore website this has nothing to do with really woke culture it's just like kind of weird but the pottermore website that i think she helps oversee to some extent said that students used to just shit in the hallways at hogwarts and just make the shit disappear and it's like okay <laughs> yeah. who are you trying to win points from for a that? About
2: that. that that makes no sense like yeah uh, 17th century Hogwarts was like, it it really was official. It was like, oh, they would just defecate wherever they wanted and then cast a spell to remove it. Yes. Yeah. It's like, like poop us delete us or something like that. Like, I I don't know, (laughs) Uh, but it it really did get that strange, you know? So I I don't want anybody to think that, that we're quibbling over, you know, is this character trans or no, 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 it flat out got weird eventually (laughs) where Mm -hmm. they were talking about like 1600s, like, Peeing in a corner and casting a spell to soak it up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm even just looking at the first Google result here, too, and I had forgotten uh, the snake Nagini, I think it's pronounced. uh, She had said after the fact that, uh, oh, that's actually uh, is an Asian woman. Uh, And I know that she had kind of gotten some flack initially for not having a ton of Asian representation in the books. So maybe that. So I think fans (laughs) criticize that as like, oh, okay, well, you had Cho Chang in there and then you're trying to slip this in after the fact. Um, I'm seeing here, too, uh, I think that she was kind of criticized for not having any Jewish representation. So she said, oh, no, there's actually a character called uh, Anthony Goldstein. But I was like, I don't remember that character at all. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know even if it wasn't I, like I
2: just want her to blow it yeah I, I want her to screw up like magnificently and be like oh Jewish representation well don't you remember Gringotts Bank and then like all of a sudden she's completely cancelled you know
1: yeah and the thing is it's like I would I would have like I'm, I'm not livid with it too it is just kind of like ah oh, that's a little aggravating but it would I would feel the same way if it were just more uh, like unimportant details like she was just like adding on like oh there's a few extra stories to the castle or like oh these creatures are in here too it's like okay well They're not in the books, so write another book. I don't know what to tell you, you know?
0: (laughs) It kind of reminds me of what George Lucas went and did with the original Star Wars trilogy where, uh, I mean, these are totally different reasons and they were totally different additions, but George Lucas went back and added all of this CGI, right, to those first three Star Wars movies and all of the fans, I think to this day, really wish that he hadn't because it's bad CGI, especially at this point, because he did it a while ago. It doesn't add anything to the movies and it actually is detracting from the original experience and distracting. But for whatever reason, like George Lucas as the creator was like, you know what? I really needed this CGI Jabba the Hut scene with Han Solo. Uh, or else like the movie is not what I envisioned originally. And I, th- I don't think anybody else uh, aside from him wants that everybody else is like, can you just not do that? Like we're happy and we love the original thing. You don't have to go. And it also, it just feels like, do you have the right? I, I mean, this is going to get like kind of weird, but it's almost mm-hmm. like, do you even have the right anymore as the creator of this thing to change it, or does it kind of belong to the people at some point?
1: That's a good point, and I really struggle with that because, to some extent, I lump that uh, the George Lucas situation in the same boat as the J.K. Rowling thing, and I'm just like I. At the end of the day, it's like, you did create that, and when do we as a society decide when an artist is able to be done, like, altering their thing? Like, would we feel the same way if Star Wars were, like, kind of a cult classic-y kind of mid-range success, or because it's become this big blockbuster, does the artist lose the right to alter that kind of stuff? I don't know. I'm more in the camp of, like, you. Like, I'm kind of bothered where it's like, alright, don't go in and just, like, wreck shit. Like, the thing is out, (laughs) and it's decades ago. Don't change it, but... Yeah, I don't know. People, I'm just. I, how does this fit? I just want to say right now. Again, I've I've said before. Not that it's some proud thing. I'm like dying on a hill or whatever. I'm just. I'm not a big Star Wars guy. I haven't even seen the last like two movies and the Han Solo one. I'm I'm just behind the times. So I'm not as passionate about it. But that's kind of how, how does feels. this
2: fit though with something that's constantly in development, like like a joke. So let's say you come up with a thing uh, that you test it out on stage when you're doing a little stand up. You know, you gauge how that goes and then adjust it for next time. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've talked Kevin and I have talked to, uh, on the podcast before about like the joke process, the humor process. Right. Mm-hmm. And how it's this evolving, refining thing. How come you're able to do that? But George Lucas can't refine his, his
1: movie. That's a you know, really like, good point. Yeah.
2: I wonder, I, I, I I wonder if it's I, just it's so strange because I have a problem with him doing that, but I have no problem with a comedian do it honing their craft, you know, so it's. Breaks my brain a little bit.
1: Yeah, I wonder if it's just because film is, is much more of a permanent thing once it's like really all said and done too. And I suppose you could treat, uh, the honing of a joke as kind of the practice and just a rehearsal for the final, whatever it is. You know, I guess some, some comedians won't have the opportunity to have that kind of final, like, I put it on a special, it's released to the masses kind of thing. Uh, but, Maybe you might say in the filmmaker's eye, their practice and preparation for it is like all the pre-production, the script writing, the set design, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But I I mean, I just don't know. That's a really good counterpoint, though. I
2: I have a question for both of you, actually. uh, That's right on the heels of this. Okay, if you could go back and make adjustments to your YouTube videos, would you do it? Like, is there a case where you can think? I wish I'd done this I know that you think that about a lot of videos right that's just the the way it is but Mm -hmm. is there one or two specific things where you absolutely would go back and change it if you had the chance
1: dude well dude even just recently I'm kicking myself I uploaded two days ago and I uh I used a different uh like whole gear setup a different camera a different like wireless lav mics and stuff like that and foolishly I'm used to editing all my own sketches and stuff just on a MacBook with no speakers, just really casually because it's pretty short usually. And uh, I didn't notice that the mics were, were kind of panned in stereo, so the audio was a little atmospheric and kind of fucky. So I immediately uploaded and I started seeing comments like, what the hell is going on with the audio? So I was like, God damn it. So, I mean, I would have fixed that, but that's not a super creative thing. It's
0: definitely a problem with YouTube that I think other mediums don't have is that you're really locked in to whatever mistakes you made in that YouTube video. There have only been a few instances, and I know, Matt, you're obviously aware of this, where if I upload a video and within the first hour there's a gigantic mistake, I will delete the video and I'll fix it and I'll re-upload it. But there are plenty of things where it's like, man, I really wish I could go back and pronounce that guy's name right. (laughs) And I can't. So like for the rest of this video's life, I said this guy's name like really wrong. And I'm going to continue to get comments in like 2047 (laughs) about what an idiot I am for saying this guy's name wrong. And that's just like a minor thing that I would love to go back and fix. But, you know, I don't see that ever happening. I mean, Twitter won't even allow you to edit a tweet. You know, YouTube's never going to allow you. I don't think, to to edit content within
1: a YouTube video. Yeah. No, I feel that... Yeah. Dude, especially with the Twitter thing, the... Uh, the initial reaction of mine is like, I just want to edit my tweet. What the hell? You know, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm putting up a promo tweet and I spelled something wrong and it's going to kill maybe the reach of it if I delete it and have to redo it right now. But then I'm also like, oh yeah, I guess people could say something, have it get retweeted and put it on a bunch of other people's pages and then change what they said. Like that could be dangerous. So it's probably good that we can't do that.
0: I want a preview tweet option. That's, that's Mm -hmm. all I want. Literally. I want a preview tweet option so that i can see what the tweet looks like in a feed and then i can easily see whether or not i'm ready to post it if i like the way like the image looks because this is something that i've complained about before oh and you complained recently about the the twitter uh video uploader which is trash but mm-hmm. also the video uh, or the image uploader is trash as well because the way that images this is like I'm sorry if our listeners are going to be bored by like <laughs> like Twitter compl- complaints, but the way that an image previews before you tweet it is completely different to what it looks like once it's tweeted. It's so yeah, it gets stupid.
1: cropped. All over the place. It's so dumb because then sometimes I want to do like a shit posty meme image and I crop it perfectly and it's my face and then it goes up and the preview is just my chin. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, seriously though, the viewer, the video viewer is the worst piece of like online technology right now. It's, it's so, every little part of it is so counterintuitive and none of it makes sense at all. But
0: you use Twitter video uploads. Um, I'd love to hear your strategy behind this because... It seems like you will upload a new video to YouTube and then wait, what, like a week and upload it
1: to Twitter? Is that what you do? Sometimes I wait like a day, sometimes it's like three or four days. It's not really a super conscious thought. I could probably plot it out a little bit better, but my general headspace is like, hey, if it goes up uh, for the first like two or three days, that's going to be the majority of its short-term views. Uh, And I do want people to just also see it on Twitter while it is kind of new to them. So, you know, it helps to getting paid from YouTube because I don't have any monetization at all on Twitter. Uh, So I get the, the bulk of the money from a sketch, and then in a few days, while it's still fresh, maybe more people... people will share it, retweet it, stuff like that. And that might get more people just over to my Twitter. So then it can all keep spinning. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And your videos are, are short, which runs in the face of like every best practice in the world when it comes to YouTube. Like everybody's (laughs) trying to get over that 10 minute mark so that you can add the mid roll and the end roll and you can really actually benefit from AdSense. But your videos Mm -hmm. are are old school YouTube, I would say. You know, <laughs> it used to be back in the day, all YouTube videos, you couldn't do anything over two and a half minutes, or else it'd be you'd be boring people. Yeah. Um, so, what's it like being an old school YouTube creator in 2020?
1: I mean, I, I've i said before, too, I feel lucky in the sense that the way that I run my channel, it shouldn't work at all, because like you say, I, most of my stuff is short like that, but my, my upload's style and schedule is so like different i'll do like hey here's a 30 second like just shit post me my shot on my cell phone and then the next upload is a 15 minute video where i talk about like mr bean and then after that it's like a two minute music video then an eight minute sketch then a 20 minute video where i go buy a bunch of subway sandwiches like there's no real (laughs) consistency you know (laughs) Um, so I guess I just don't know. People keep viewing and I'd like to think that they're sticking around for me at the end of the day, but yeah, sometimes numbers and, and, and projects can just go all over the place in terms of consistency. That's such
2: a perfect example though, of why cultivating an audience that's into you and that really likes the stuff that you do is so much more important than playing around with an algorithm, uh, hoping that whatever it is you're doing gets treated properly by YouTube. You know, that's that's insane. You don't have to do that. Uh, What you just explained is is pretty much that people like you. And whether it's a 30-second thing or a 15-minute thing or uh, just whatever format you're doing that day because you found it funny, that totally overrides all the technical stuff that people are complaining about day after day after day. And it seems like getting to the point that that you're at is a lot more important than having those attributes that that would play well with the site.
1: Yeah, I mean I just I never know. And I'm certainly no stranger to complaining about stuff. Uh I complain about a lot of shit on YouTube with <laughs> site changes and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> um but yeah sometimes it sucks when you just get dicked over by like the algorithm and stuff or it doesn't push it to your viewers. But at the end of the day I just I'm trying to do what I can creatively to just be like, all right, well here's the piece of content. I really hope you can see it. And if it gets stifled then maybe I'll push it again later. Well you know? and
0: you ran into a big problem with that that was 0% your fault with the, the Comedy Central uh, videos right so yeah. you've had some Comedy Central uh, videos which is really cool first of all that you have worked with them I mean um, but I recall people complaining that it was region locked because it's TV so it's like you can only view it if in the, you're in the US and obviously mm-hmm. YouTube is a worldwide thing and you have a worldwide fans I mean I know that We ran into this problem, or Michael ran into this problem specifically with Minefield and Mm -hmm. YouTube Red. Because YouTube Red, originally, I don't know, I don't even know what it is now, YouTube Originals, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. When it first started, it was in like five countries, literally, in the whole world. It was like US, Canada, I think Australia, UK, um, Germany, maybe? I don't know.
2: Germany. I think that was it.
0: So literally the rest of the world could not access... Oh, this yeah. unless they bought the episodes a la carte it was such a bad system and everybody complained to Vsauce and it's like well we didn't create this system we want everybody to yeah. see this like I'm sorry that you're unable to but there's literally it's out of my hands and I wish it weren't this way and that uh-huh. happened to you with the Comedy Central stuff right
1: yeah absolutely that's a thing too where it's like I understand people are like Frustrated with stuff too and at the end of the day it's like I'm not the customer support for a site that I don't control you know like I, I <laughs> Comedy Central's run through Viacom and I don't know what their licensing rights breakdowns are but uh, you can't view their stuff in like Canada sometimes or Australia things like that and what bothered me was I would like to think that why on God's fucking green earth would I make my videos voluntarily not available to people in certain countries? Why would I do that? I didn't do that <laughs> like just and I've talked about it repeatedly and one one problem that I perhaps kind of uh, helped to propagate for myself is that uh, if I start seeing something that annoys me like you know I'll post all the Comedy Central ones on my community channel tab all the comments are complaining It's not in Canada. So then I'll address it and be like guys. I'm sorry I don't make the decisions don't, just stop and stick to seeing comments. If you don't like the video, tell me you don't like it. But if you can't see it, I didn't do it, dog. And then it's like, then I get even more <laughs> Canada comments because it's people not seeing me saying stop doing it. And then it's the other people thinking like, oh, well, we're joking. This is a joking one. Oh, oh I can't uh, see this in Canada. And that's like, all right, well, I just, I can't call attention to the problem because then I get more people ironically trying to comment about it. And it's just- I mess. love this though.
2: I love the idea of of you being able to think and tell people- I have a joke, and it's a funny joke, but Canada's not allowed to know.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's so offensive to Canadians.
1: Don't nobody tell them. Honor system. They can't handle it.
0: Too hot for Canada. (laughs) It would melt the ice up there. Oh my gosh. Well, speaking of up there and the and the ice, you're originally from practically Canada. You're from. Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You're from a town called Grantsburg, Wisconsin, which uh, I don't know if you knew this, but in 2017, the most recent census data puts it at 1,293 people.
1: That oh live in shoot, Grantsburg. we went down. Damn it, we were at 1,369 for the for, for the longest time. <laughs> oh, what well. the hell, guys? That we we're sticking together. <laughs> Who jumped ship? It's because um. you
0: left and you went to LA. But <laughs> I'd love to hear because you know Matt and I grew up in a similar you know, middle of nowhere woods, tiny town situation Mm -hmm. that I think really helped develop kind of my interest in comedy and I don't know, not taking things so seriously. How do you feel growing up in a small town affected your sense of humor?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I don't think that... I think that having just a very limited uh, availability for for entertainment and stuff to do, especially growing up, was really helpful because it got me on the internet more, looking at what people were doing in my eyes, in in more entertainment-heavy parts of the world. So I was like, what's going on in Los Angeles? Like, what are all these other YouTubers doing? Stuff like that. Um, and then even carrying forth, forth into college, I went to a relatively small middle Wisconsin college in Menominee, Wisconsin and... Uh, and even still, too, I, I fully believe if I would have went to a bigger kind of big city, like more surrounded by this stuff on the daily, I would have felt less pressured to be like, oh, shit, I got to kind of make something happen for myself. I'm living in goddamn Wisconsin. You know, I got to get my ass in gear, put stuff on the Internet. Um, I also think like small town life stuff, too i 've uh, I've used a lot of the material just like in what I do with comedy sketches and stuff like that i i I have a lot of sketches about like midwesterners or like church people growing up because it's like that 's what I knew that's what I was just familiar with but can you speak to that at all too? did you guys grow up in like did you guys grow up in like little religious environments at all not, too?
0: not so much not so mm-hmm. much religious but definitely um very rural um, you know a lot of a lot of hunting, a lot of farms yeah. um a lot you know i would i went to school with a kid who you know you go to, you go to school at 8:30 in the morning or whatever this kid scott has been up since 5 because he had to like literally deice the silo you know yeah. like and that was like every single morning he was up since 5 and i remember at the at age of at the age of 15 we were in gym class and he and he'd be like, man, I'm too old for this. <laughs> <Because Yeah>. like, <laughs> at 15, he like kind of was too old for like dodgeball because he's like literally been doing like back breaking labor every single day since yeah.
1: probably he could walk. And that's just how oh, life yeah. was. Dude, I, that's you see the same cut of kid growing up everywhere you grow up in a rural town it's like those farm kids are probably some of the hardest working people ever it's like they have to get up at like four or five in the morning and then they a lot of the times they'll have like before school like either music things sometimes sports meet early a full day of school with gym class and then like three hours of football after and then farm work and then bed how does a human just live under those circumstances it's so brutal. (laughs) i
0: don't know matt what do you think i mean you 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 are all about the uh the rural life yeah, I'm still there. I mean, I,
2: I came back. Uh, actually, the room I'm, I'm recording in is uh, my mom was born in this room. Hey, uh, like instead of the hospital. Yeah, it was it was really interesting because we um, we went to uh, we went to the United Kingdom like five, six, seven years ago, something like that. She needed a passport. Well, you've got to have a birth certificate to get a passport, mm-hmm. right? She doesn't have a birth certificate. She has a certificate of live birth, which is what happens when nobody has witnessed the baby being born. You show up like to the county courthouse uh, with with the baby, you know, so like this happened. Yeah. And and they issue a document. That, how, how quickly you know, afterwards do they need to yule.
1: show it? Do they need to show up with a baby <laughs> dripping like, dude, this just happened. You just missed it. Look, please trust me. I
2: don't know. Yeah, I, I think. I don't know how that happens anymore, but it was weird because uh, it was like one of the uh, one of two of that year uh, in the 40s. Uh, But, yeah, it's a different lifestyle in every way. You know, Uh, who you see is in a way the same as you see everywhere else. And in a way, they've got their own flavor. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the things you think about uh, it's just different you know and one of you, one of you guys just now had a siren like i don't know which one it was oh that was me right?
1: that's the Those that's the know. la fire so, trucks yeah. yeah
2: i hear almost nothing all day long mm-hmm. and when the windows are open in the summer i can hear the mailman almost a mile down the road because there are, you know enough car or so few cars that the unique sound of the mail truck engine i can identify that you know, and so I'll hear that faintly, and then get up and start walking to the mailbox because by the time I get there, the mail will be there. You know, mm-hmm. that's not happening. That didn't happen when I lived in North. Rip, and he's delivered. <laughs> he's delivered
0: your daily bale of hay and milk. All right,
1: right. <laughs> your jar of milk. You had but, the big ice pick with a big <laughs> hunk of ice for the ice box. You leave yeah, on the front step. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. So you can keep your meat fresh. The. uh
0: <laughs> the thing that you said, though, about having kind of to make your own entertainment, yeah, I definitely feel like that rings super true for me. I mean, you really got to make your own entertainment when you grow up in the middle of nowhere and your best friend, you know, might live 12 miles away and it's. February and your mom will not drive, drive you to your best friend's house because you could die really easily. (laughs) So, you know, sorry, you can't hang out at all this week with any of your friends. You better figure out something else to do.
1: Oh, without a doubt, dude. I I mean, I even say it, like, in my stand-up act. I feel like I had a very Calvin and Hobbes childhood, you know? I mean, we didn't even have, like, internet in our house until I was in high school. We never had cable television. My parents didn't want me having video games growing up. So it really was, like, go out in the back of the woods and, like, make little rivers in the sandbox and piss in the rocks and do dumb country boy shit, Yeah, we you know? would
0: take uh, two liter bottles of soda, like soda bottles, okay? Yeah. Cut it in half... Okay, then go down to the creek, and you can catch crayfish in these cut o- cut open soda bottles, and then and then what? Nothing. Then you just dump the crayfish back <laughs> yeah. into the creek because you're not like eating crayfish. But it was just literally something to do was yeah. catch crayfish in cut open soda bottles.
1: <laughs> Dude, have you ever eaten crayfish too? Though uh, not like
0: not like upstate New
1: York creek
0: crayfish. I uh-huh. mean, I've had like crawfish in in Louisiana which is just I think the same thing but bigger
1: yeah yeah we used to sometimes uh you go catch a bunch in like the river or whatever and if they we try to catch invasive species I think that the rusty crayfish is an invasive species in the Northwoods. um don't quote me on that biologist listening but uh we you just catch them up and a lot of the times you can literally just toss them in a pot of boiling water adding nothing and then they're just fatty and like tender enough to just you know pull the top part off eat the tail out they're super tasty (laughs) In case you want to go trials <laughs> so at 2.0. Oh. <laughs> <either, laughs>
2: so, so either of you on this, when did, when did it, it occur to you that you, you needed to show everybody your comedic stuff, your creativity, whatever? Uh, when do you make the, the transition from I'm going to have a ball with me and my friends in my backyard to, oh, you, you know, absolutely everybody in Florida needs to be able to see this?
1: Oh, gosh, I don't know. I, I think that ever since I was a kid, I like making people laugh, you know, but uh, I, I was a very, very shy kid, too. Like I didn't really get any scrap of confidence until like the very end of junior high when my mom uh, kind of blackmailed me into doing the talent show because it was for my own good, you know, <laughs> um, but. Gosh, I mean, other than that, I just, I would, I would always go take this little shitty Sony flip cam out and I'd walk outside and, and I'd go hang out in the summers with, with my buddy Joe and we'd just bike around town and make little movies and in middle school and I'd piece them together and just show people quietly behind the scenes, so. I guess I've kind of just been doing little dinking around stuff like that since middle school. What about you? Well, I like
0: that you you it required your mom to sort of push you out the door in some way to get you to do something like that because that that was my experience as well. Like, I would never volunteer to you know do improv or to do uh, you know this play or whatever it was it was literally always other people like s- same as you like making other people laugh i always found to be like the most fulfilling thing like i think mm-hmm. laughter is it doesn't get any better than that like to make somebody laugh is the the greatest feeling but at the same time i always liked to do it my own way and not mm-hmm. in front of everybody and like you know whatever But other people would be like, you are X, you know, you are really funny or you like, you are really entertaining. You should like, I need you to do this thing. Like, I need you to audition for this improv group because like, I need you to do that. And it was always me feeling like, (sighs) fine. Yeah. And then... I would do it and then I would love it. Like I would always be really grateful and thankful later that somebody kind of forced me to do a thing that I wouldn't have done otherwise. And I think that probably a lot of our listeners, I hope maybe could glean some knowledge from that, that like, even if you don't want to do a thing like that and don't want to put yourself out there, you really should at least try it. There's a lot of things that I've done where that I really didn't want to do like that TEDx talk that I did a couple years ago or whatever, (laughs) I really did not want to do that at all. Like, not even a little tiny bit. There was 0% of me wanted to go to Vienna and talk in front of a bunch of strangers about something. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to this day, like, plenty of people in my family... Like extended family when we have like weddings or get togethers will talk about that. They will talk about that TEDx thing and be blown away by it. And like, oh, my God, it was so great. Um, which they don't say about, you know, like Vsauce 2 videos. They don't like watch those. But for whatever reason, like that talk was just more legitimate, I guess, in a way to them. Yeah. Than dude, like making a YouTube video. It's just a different thing.
1: Yeah, dude, I, I get the same exact thing. Every time I go home for like Thanksgiving or Christmas, my parents are always like, why the fuck did, don't you do something like Kevin's TEDx talk? What is wrong with you? You need to get your act together. <laughs> I'm like, mom, we've been over this, please. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Every year, your Christmas present is a, is a round-trip ticket to Vienna. Yeah. <laughs> they just hope you go there. Please. Just start it's like, Mom, please, I'm not Gus. using
1: these. Stop buying them. You're
0: wasting money. <laughs> yeah, but you are getting on stage, Gus. You <laughs> are doing like the tours. So how did that come to fruition?
1: You know, I'm. this is a good example of this, exactly what you were just saying, Kevin, because I, I kind of did that to myself about a year ago. Um, I have... You know, I've been performing for a while now and I've, I've been on stage since like high school and, and, uh, and I did a lot of theater in college and stuff like that. And I really do like the stage and stuff. I don't really have any stand up experience at all. And it really was just last winter I'd been out in LA for maybe about eight months or so. And I just it was one of those weeks where it's like you don't leave your room for like a week and you're looking and there's like pizza crusts on the floor and shit and you're like, Oh god, what I'm <laughs> such a piece of crap. Like I moved out to LA and this is what I'm doing right now. So I just I quick called up my manager and I was like, Hey, I'm gonna go on a tour, like just let let's get this going. I'm doing a full stand up tour. And he's like, Have you done stand up before? I was like, <clears throat> Yup. Yep. Let's do it. (laughs) I just lied about it. (laughs) So then I was like, oh, shit. Now I put myself in this position where I really have to deliver on it. So that sometimes just lighting a little flame under your ass, at least in my experience, that's really helped where it's like quick commit to something and then like damn it well i gotta do that um so i that's just kind of how i got the ball rolling and then i did a few test shows like earlier on in the year at, like in like irvine and, and brea and stuff and uh and then i just kind of went on the tour and just kind of figured it out show by show as i go i know? have
2: a question for both for both of you again on this because uh the last episode that we did we talked about these kids who were on youtube in this weird situation with you know an eight-year-old nine-year-old who had like a, an issue at school because he was a YouTube celebrity, even though he's not, yeah his channel has like a 100 subs, right? But this weird dynamic there. as you two were both describing, coming up and developing this stuff, it it kind of occurred to me that probably nobody else is going to have the path that that you had, right? Because when you were twelve, you couldn't make a YouTube video. Yeah, you had to do all of this stuff like you were talking about uh, making the handycam. Edits and showing friends and whatever. Mm -hmm. And you had this, like what I see as a really healthy period of non-exposure and then at your own pace. And as it developed, you started to try these things that you're talking about and you worked up into it. If a kid is 12 in 2020, how does he How does he have a healthy path like that? Because he has whatever exposure he wants immediately and always Yeah, will.
1: dude, I think about that all the time. I thank God I did not have, like, it just really wasn't a huge thing when I was a 12-year-old. It was like, oh, my God, you got to get on YouTube. You got to do, like, get a TikTok, get a Snapchat, get an Instagram. Like, I, I'm finding myself as a 24-year-old right now being so overwhelmed as it is by just, like, <laughs> noise and, and pop ups all the time and stuff. I can't imagine trying to navigate that as a, as a little like ADD ish kind of kid like I used to be. You know? uh, I don't.
0: I don't know either. And I love that question because you know what I think about uh, a lot um, that relates to this is music. So, like the late sixties, early seventies, right? You had like. The Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton and Led Zeppelin, and the list goes on and on and on. The Grateful Dead, like all Jeff Beck, like the legendary guitarists, Mm -hmm. all were in that same era because. What did they have to do yeah. other than like get really high and play guitar all the time? Mm-hmm. Like and I'm being dead serious about that. Like you had an entire generation of of really creative people and music was like the only outlet kind mm. of. I mean, Hollywood was really restrictive of uh, like who was getting into to To make movies, it was all the same actors. TV, there were three channels. Channels, literally, it, yeah. there were three channels. There were not a lot of shows. It was the same stuff. It was like all cowboy shows, and that was literally it. So the only and even like stand up comedy was like a very like beatnik like weird thing burgeoning at the time but yeah. music was not like music was huge and it was like the avenue for creative people to like get paid and be creative for a living so you had all of these people literally literally just playing guitar all the time and having amazing bands and that's gone yeah. <laughs> I- That doesn't happen anymore because, you know, we have like the Internet now and video games and all of this stuff to distract ourselves with where you're just not having an entire generation all focused on like 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 Stevie Ray Vaughan literally would go to guitar you know how they have rap battles? Yeah. Okay, so like eight in 8 Mile, you know, the whole movie was about like Eminem doing these rap battles. They had guitar battles back no then. No way, you like, dude. You would like go to Cutting like heads. the Texas Roadhouse and like out shred somebody or whatever. Like out, out lick <laughs> them. Haven't you seen Crossroads. Haven't you seen Crossroads? I haven't
2: seen it. With Ralph Macchio, Ralph Macchio is like a Berkeley School of Music student playing classical guitar, and he he gets this uh, kind of bug to learn the blues, and this culminates in uh, him learning uh, like slide guitar and having a, a, a battle with Steve Vai. Which, but you should look on yeah. YouTube because it's like a 10 minute scene to show it's kind of, it's essentially the devil went down to Georgia, but with, uh, with a guitar battle instead of a fiddle battle. Um, yeah, he, he gets in kind of in this mix with, with the devil and Steve Vai is the devil's representative in the battle, his proxy, but yeah, that stuff actually did happen where you got together and, and played. And I think about it on music as well, because that was That was a huge part here. And again, like I'm in the old parlor of this house. It was the parlor because that's where uh, that's where people came to play music with my grandfather. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've lived in the same area for a very long time and I played a bunch of music and I don't remember the last time I played with somebody. You know, nobody's it's not like a Saturday night thing for people to come in the parlor and, and, you know, play the banjo and fiddle anymore. So that's just gone now, isn't
1: it? I guess you got to go back to rap battling now.
2: But what happens with 12 year old Gus Johnson if he's 12 in 2020?
1: Oh God. What
2: is, what is he doing right now? If he's,
1: you know what? I, I constantly, that's kind of a, Back of the mind, panicky thought, I think of like, God, what if I was a kid these days? I really think that not that I'm a, the pinnacle of, of health and beauty right now, but I think I would be straight, you know, <laughs> screwed if I was a kid now. I have such a huge attention or like attention span problem and, and, and I can't focus on stuff too. And I was so glad that my, my parents almost drilled into me all these limitations when I was growing up where it's like, you're not just getting overloaded by stuff. Like, here's a real sense of appreciation because I don't have a lot of just things you know like big sparkly fun toys to play with all the time So I think the 12-year-old Gus of 2020 would just be absolutely screwed. I'm scared to think about that. And then even, like, uh, using, like, the spectrum of entertainment, like like Kevin was bringing up, too, I'm also scared to think of, like, what if I was trying to have the goals and aspirations that I have right now, and it was, like, the 60s, 70s, 80s, stuff like that. Like, how the hell am I going to get started? There's three goddamn channels. Like, what am I going to do? I can't just be living in Wisconsin, like, using my college time to make content and, like, build my brand and, like, get myself out there and stuff like that. I just got to, like, put my head down, try to, like hitchhike all the way to California and get in front of some famous guy and go, hey, look at me. I, that stresses me out like crazy. Yeah, there are a
0: million movies that are literally that. Isn't mm-hmm. that what A Star is Born is about? It's like that. <laughs> it's such a trope where it's like, I'm from from nowhere, Kentucky, and I'm going to make it in yeah. Hollywood. <laughs> and <laughs> Because that's kind of how it was. But mm-hmm. my point with the music thing and comparing it to now is it will be interesting to me to see if You know, our generation who was the last generation to really kind of, well, the last generation, like in the United States, you know, to, to grow up without the internet for sure. Yeah. Like how that affected our interests and how that affected our proliferation of creating things in relation to like how the landscape changed, you know, for musicians where even musicians today it's like it's so much easier to just record stuff on your computer
1: to make mm-hmm. videos
0: all you need is your phone like all of the barriers to entry are just completely gone and you know what does that do to maybe it forces people to be more creative and i mean i know for for instance you know matt and i were talking recently like the kids growing up today how good they are at like editing And Photoshopping and all of this stuff because they've been doing it since they were like five years old and it's just ingrained in their bloodstream to be able to do all this crazy VFX stuff that literally, you know, when I was in college, good luck even just rendering a non HD piece (laughs) of video. Like it took forever just to render and cut like, like standard definition (laughs) video. It just Mm -hmm. sucked. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I remember that too. I used to do all my editing in my grandpa's basement. I was pretty lucky growing up because my grandpa ran a computer repair shop, and ironically, the grandpa in town was the most tech savvy guy in our whole town. So, like, I'd bike into his house, and he also had like a photography business when he was uh, like a little bit younger and stuff. So, so that's why I had the camera. I had that little Sony AVC HD, just little flip cam. I still use that for when I go home and I do stuff like God's Country and like my yard and stuff. I use the same cameras that old shitty one that I was biking around as a kid using i don't even use different mics it's just the same setup so that's kind of fun to do but like i was a kid and i'd go back into his basement and he had this editing bay and i could cut together my little shitty like oh i just learned how to green screen a fake harry potter spell over my wand so it looks like i'm casting a spell export all right well i'm gonna go uh, home and then come back tomorrow when it'll almost be done you know like it was so <laughs> slow it was magic though i love it switching gears
0: let's talk about p
1: yeah. So <laughs> Thank God we're overdue. We are
0: in the we are in the middle of no P January. Yes. Now did that start last year or has that been going on for a while? That was and last what, year. It was. Okay. Yeah. And w- w- was that just a riff on um these other months, like no shave November or what? Yeah. yes
2: these other months and and you definitely are referring to no shave November,
0: yes,
1: yes, yes, and and for this one, it's actually called <laughs> "Don't Pee January, so it's not like, "Hey no pee. it's like, hey, motherfucker, don't pee, it's January, okay, uh, <laughs> but actually, I cannot claim any credit for that one. I don't know if it was a meme at all before, but my my brother Thor, my younger brother, came up with that where he just he just we were in a group chat playing p s n one day and he just goes, "Hey, you guys getting ready for don't pee January," and it just cracked <laughs> us up. <laughs> so that so now we're doing don't pee january so you boys better not have been peeing i'm gonna be real pissed all right
0: matt you're making fun of me what are, what are the other months
1: well you,
2: other than yeah, the mustache
0: no november oh, yeah. oh no so there's, nut. there's, there's right. no not okay.
1: november <laughs> and then of course after the no not it's destroyed dick december but then you have a bunch of pee <laughs> theme months where it's don't pee january fucking don't pee february uh maybe don't pee march uh eh, don't pee april like it's really pee themed until you circle back around in november and then you're all nutted up you know
2: is there a corresponding thing like no shit september
1: i wish but that would just be unhealthy to hold your shit in for a whole month matt well let's not do that
0: (laughs) (laughs) but but it's not but it's not with pee (laughs) oh no of
1: course (laughs)
0: okay in your mind, does the pee come out like through your pores, or in any way through tears? Do you cry the pee away?
1: No. Well, being that pee is stored in the balls, I just assume that your balls kind of just it just ruminates in there. Um, I do cry a lot during Don't Pee December or don't Pee January, so I just assume piss is leaking out of my eye holes a little bit, but I can't confirm or deny that because it's not very scented. So. I'll get back to uh, that. I'll do I like a pH. That you strip. Say,
0: it ruminates as if it's like it's just kind of like <laughs> contemplating its next move.
1: Give it time. Fermenting pee balls. <laughs> that's just how we do it. That's the only way I know. Okay, that's what I'm familiar with. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, <laughs> as as a as a as a uh, a huckster, as a as a funny man uh, yourself, uh, Gus, <laughs> uh, I really want to know who your comedy heroes are because you must have them. Everybody who likes comedy has comedy heroes, yeah. and you know, mine mine are old because I'm a boomer. You know, I loved watching the Marx Brothers with my dad. Like that's oh, yeah. one of the earliest. Comedy memories that I have are the Three Stooges and the Marx Brothers. I don't even remember comedy before that when I was a kid.
2: When was this? Yeah. It, it, I, it, you're
0: describing this and I'm like, what, did you go to the
2: talkies with Pa, <laughs> <laughs> Like for a nickel? <laughs> he
0: had, he had, t- I don't know what it was, but that's what he liked, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're, when you're like four or five years old, you don't have uh, options, especially in like 1988. Uh, you're pretty much gonna watch <laughs> what your dad puts on, exactly, and he likes old stuff. Like to this day, he'll go back and he'll watch old westerns and w- whatever. That's just kind of like his comfort food for entertainment. So yeah, he was a huge fan of Duck Soup and mm-hmm. um, A Night at the Opera, or whatever, and all those Three Stooges shorts with with the real. Um, curly, you know, not curly oh, Joe yeah. and oh. not this shemp Ugh, business. fuck shemp. Yuck. Not this shemp business. So <laughs> so that's where, you know those are the early earliest memories I have of laughing at comedy, but yeah. I'd love to hear about
1: yours, dude. Honestly, it sounds like we're we're more similar than I had thought, Kevin. Here because my dad loved all that same stuff. I, we weren't really heavy on the Marx Brothers and the Three Stooges, but I have probably seen every bit of material that Laurel and Hardy have ever done ten times. You know, my dad loved that stuff growing up. Uh, we watched a ton of like Andy Griffith show growing up too. I've probably seen every episode from seasons one through six. Uh, I've uh, my dad loved like Mr. Bean and stuff too just a lot of like kind of classic especially sight driven comedy kind of stuff the Don Knotts the, the Ron Atkinsons Sins of the World and stuff like that I watched them on loop on VHS when I was a kid so definitely a lot of my humor is rooted in that kind of stuff as well I also started uh, once the internet came around. I started watching like sketch comedy stuff when I was a kid. I'd watch a lot of like Julian Smith, a lot of Rhett and Link, some epic rap battles of history stuff like that. And then of course, when I was growing up too, I discovered the likes of like Bill Burr, Louis C.K., Dave Chappelle, uh, you know, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, like that kind of stuff when I was a kid. Yeah, it's it's funny thinking about (laughs) because we're we're
0: so much older. Matt and I are so much older that thinking about like Rhett and Link being like comedic heroes (laughs) it's very funny to me and i don't mean funny in a bad way it's actually so awesome um to have i don't know just kind of been on youtube and youtube's been around so long at this point that we're we're at a place where people like yourself can be like yeah you know my big inspiration was uh smosh it's like what really (laughs) yeah smosh
1: (laughs) yeah dude what kind of what I just 2005, hit. right? Uh, so has it been 15 years of YouTube so far? Uh, yeah, I
0: think 2006 close, was like the re- was was it 2005 or six? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Remember. But yeah, it's, it's been a while. Ago. It's like it's like a whole generation, basically. Yeah. At this point,
2: I just had the strangest memory as you guys are recalling this stuff and trying to think about what was what was funny to me. For some reason, we had HBO as as a kid in the eighties. I don't even know how that happened, but there was a lot of funny stuff on HBO. You know, the movies during mm-hmm. the day, you know, you'd get the like police Academy every 48 hours was on mm-hmm. HBO, stuff like that. Um, but I, I just had the weirdest memory of, uh, watching the Benny Hill show and Hee haw on, on the TVs. I say TVs because it, you know, the way this works When when you're in that sort of area. Right. When you get a new TV, it goes on top of the old TV that that stopped working, which is why you had to buy a new TV. There's no such thing as a TV stand. Your TV stand is your your old TV.
1: Okay. they just continuously (laughs) biodegrade into the carpet as you stack new TVs on it.
2: (laughs) Eventually, it's TVs all the way up and down. Um, but I remember being pretty small then, you know, like five or six and laying on the floor when you still laid on the floor to watch TV, um, and watching those shows. And, uh, there's no experience like that now. What do you do? Watch watch uh, funny YouTube videos on a tablet and in bed or on the couch or something Yeah, like that.
1: exactly. I, I, I'm i a huge proponent of just, like, forced limitations on your own life make you happier, and especially that now that I've been in L.A. for, like, a year and a half now, I'm really trying to find how that works for me and stuff, you know, whether it's deleting, like, social media apps, uh, committing to saying, like, hey, this is the one video game I'm going to play for, like, two weeks, or, like, I'm watching a movie tonight and I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, like, when I was a kid, like, I love doing that. It's like, hey, we have 10 VHSs, all right well i'm gonna love whatever i throw on because i only have 10 vhs's or i can bike to the library and maybe get one more you know like i miss that kind of how
0: how does living in la uh kind of force you to do that and why because there's just so much opportunity to get overwhelmed with
1: yeah I would have to not not necessarily opportunity I think just availability of different things uh, where I've, I feel like I've had to kind of force that in myself where it's like okay well I can open up my phone and order any food that I could ever possibly imagine or on that same phone and two more clicks I can watch any movie that I could ever imagine and I get so overwhelmed by that choice that I often don't pick anything or I'll just default to watch in the office for a time and and it, it's really tough to kind of like go out of your way and try new things when everything's an option at least for me I get so overwhelmed no by this it. is a real thing that I read about and I wish that I could recall because I think
0: somebody gave this a name
2: mm-hmm. but
0: um but this is a real thing that is
2: this decision fatigue
0: oh uh, maybe it is decision fatigue yeah somebody was talking about how yeah we're at a point where there's so much abundance that it's no longer about getting stressed out trying to to get things it's getting stressed mm-hmm. out trying to choose things mm-hmm. and that that has become in a lot of ways in um, you know at least in america what is causing anxiety is actually you have too many options and it's hard to to pick a thing. And it sounds so ridiculous. It sounds like the ultimate first world problems yeah. problem, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, I could literally eat anything I yeah. can imagine. I'm so sad about that. Like it's causing me so much anxiety. Yeah. But God, it's so weird that it
1: does it's just like it's that FOMO that comes into play fear of missing out it's like well if I choose this movie even though I know it's a movie I've wanted to watch and it's one of the greatest movies of all time it's like yeah but what if I could have more fun watching a different movie and I'm committing to this two hour choice it's ridiculous but I feel it every time I try to choose oh, anything
0: so okay I remembered what, what I was trying to think of there was was this in Michael's show it might have been in minefield or it was in some other um show that i watched but anyway there's this experiment where if you go out to um if you go out in public say you go to like a farmer's market okay mm-hmm. and you show up there with uh free samples of three jelly beans okay so you have three jelly beans i to heard give about out, this yeah right yeah so you have like cherry you have grape and you have like coconut okay mm-hmm. and you say okay you only get to choose one jelly bean And so they say, okay, whatever, uh, cherry, sure. And then afterwards, you ask them, are you satisfied with your choice? Invariably, people will be satisfied with their choice. Mm -hmm. They'll be really happy. Like, yeah, yeah, like I chose the right one. Like out of those three, I chose cherry. It was delicious. I love cherry jelly beans. That was the right choice. I'm satisfied with my decision. Yeah. You do the same thing with like 16 jelly beans, and all of a sudden, people are are almost never satisfied with their choice. Yeah, it's overwhelming because it because all of a sudden you're like, okay, well I chose cherry, but I could have had like tutti frutti or buttered popcorn, or I could have had you know yeah. mango. I could have had tangerine. Like maybe grape was better. Yeah. Watermelon. Oh my god! And, then, and why am I you even eating it, jelly
1: beans? These are a lame candy. <laughs>
0: Yeah. There are fried Oreos to my left and those are probably more delicious and people get, get dissatisfied. You get dissatisfied mm-hmm. with your choice when you could have, when you know that maybe some other choice would have been more satisfactory.
1: Yeah. I don't know what that is, but it's like that has leaked into so many parts of my life. I'm just trying to f- figure out ways to try to mitigate that as much as possible. You know,
0: it is, it is the big modern dilemma. Mm. Um, Before we wrap up, because I have so many questions for you, but uh, one that I really want to get to because it was from uh, Spencer, who's in who's one of our patrons. Sure. He's in our baby gang, and he specifically asked about the SNL joke stealing scenario from last year. Oh, yeah. Where, yeah, you made this video where um, you were getting a whole bunch of feedback from people that hey SNL like totally ripped off your America's Got Talent skit and you know who knows if they did or not you address this in the video Yeah, I don't need to put words in your mouth but he was just kind of like wondering you know a year or whatever it has been removed from that did you ever find out anything more about that? Have you thought about it differently since then?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, I I hope that what I say now is consistent with what I had said in the video at the time, but I think my thesis was I ultimately don't think that it was consciously stolen. Um, I understand just like with the format of America's Got Talent and everything too, It's it's one of those jokes where it's like if I see somebody else even do a similar joke now, my default assumption is not that they took it from me. That really was like it was a joke that it would have been easy for people to pick up on. Um, I know that the reason I felt inclined to speak about it was not just to try to like throw SNL under the bus, but it was right during the time that like I had gotten an opportunity to send in like a writing packet to SNL. Like there was a, a little bit of interest in even having that opportunity. And suddenly uh, you know, SNL had this sketch come out and stuff and, and, uh, I had so many people that were subscribers to me, uh, that were like adding NBC and adding SNL on Twitter and stuff or flooding the comment sections. Like screw you, you stole this from Gus Johnson, like stuff like that. And I was just like, uh, I, I truthfully, if, if I thought that they did, I would have absolutely just been like yeah screw you guys you totally stole that but I just I don't think that they stole it so I felt like the need to speak on it and and I've found out too at this point you know I've been doing YouTube full time at least time wise for about 5 years now and I probably made 600 videos just sketches on YouTube and there have been, you know, a handful of times over the years where it's like, I'll make something and even though, every time I make a video I Google every iteration of it that I can think of, you know, like, oh funny, America's Got Talent, America's Got Talent parody, uh, talk show parody and if I don't find anything, I just go ahead with a video idea that I've already had but invariably, there are times where it's like you put out an idea, maybe you'll start seeing comments like, oh, you know, this was was a bit from, like, Louie, or like, this was in a Jim Carrey movie or something like that and I go, I just can't catch Everything you know, so I really think this was a situation of like it was kind of lower hanging joke fruit, and we just had a similar idea in a short frame of time, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have gotten that some and some sometimes people just because they have seen something someplace else, like I've gotten comments on some Vsauce 2 videos where it's like you stole this from so and so, and it's yeah. like. You can't steal math. Yeah. Know? Like math, math is <laughs> yeah, just math. I love that line. <laughs> like, like I didn't invent this math and neither did that guy. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's a good point. No. You know, so many of the videos that you do, Kevin, are are very old, right? I mean, like I remember uh, maybe a year ago and I can't quite remember which video it was, but something popped on, on the research yeah. for it yeah you know, as we're looking through the scholarly articles the journal articles stuff like that and it was it was from like 2002 or something like that and i was thrilled because i was like oh my god this is finally a recent one uh, you know that's 20 years old but we're so used to looking at something that is at at best from the 50s or mm-hmm. 60s and usually has some actual origin from like the 1700s or something <laughs> yeah uh, so you know, a lot of people have talked about this since, you know, King George Third. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. And when you look on YouTube, too, uh, uh, yeah, uh, there are a lot of other channels that have touched on classical concepts. Like, so what? So what? And it's so strange to me when somebody looks at that and it's like, oh, this one guy already made a video on calculus, bro. Mm-hmm. What are yeah. you doing? You and know? it's the worst – it, I imagine it's quite a bit crazier with jokes. Yeah, dude.
1: The worst thing is, is it really is a case-by-case basis, too. And, and if somebody starts accusing you that you, you just – it's at the end of the day it's your own voice versus the world you know like I even think about I think about 5-6 months ago I put out a video called how the US Postal Service delivers your package and the idea is just that it gets wrecked you know I destroy it as a postal worker guy and again when I searched for that I searched in like post office parody how the mail treats your package package wrecked stuff like that and I couldn't find anything similar to what I was doing and I put the video out and then I started seeing a ton of comments like screw you you stole this from Bruce Almighty uh, or no from uh, not Bruce Almighty another Jim Carrey one, the animals, Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just like, truthfully still. And I said at the time, I've never seen any of the Ace Ventura movies. So I, it, it was similar enough that I I felt compelled to even put out a tweet about it. Most of the time it's just in your best interest to just be like, you know what? You're going to see a couple negative comments, but like, I know I didn't steal a thing. And the same thing is true for the USPS one where I just put it out and I was like, Hey, it came to my attention that this was, a scene that was similar to something from ace ventura i have never seen any of the ace ventura movies i'm sorry and then of course you get hit with a bunch of like bro you're a 90s kid you can't tell me you didn't see ace ventura growing up (laughs) i was like okay Ace Ventura is not in the tier of like, dog, you didn't see Ace Ventura. I haven't seen the goddamn movies. Okay. I didn't know a joke was similar to that. Plus when you look for that joke in the movie, you had to search like Ace Ventura male scene to get it. And that's why I didn't find it in my research. So just like people, people like trying to think that they got you on stuff and it's just really frustrating sometimes, but I guess that's just the nature of putting stuff out online.
0: But, but this, I want to go super boomer. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Go on, Kevin. I'll remember what I was going to say. What is your super boomer thing?
1: Oh,
2: so this is something that's happened to me, and I wonder if it's something that that you especially Gus, worry about. So I'm at the point now where I will f- I will kind of misremember things legitimately. Mm-hmm. So like, I'll think of a story from childhood or something like that. You you know, uh, I was talking with a high school friend the other day about this and some story mundane. And we both thought the other one had been the culprit. Oh, like legitimately believed. Right. And there have definitely been times where I'll have an idea that I think is 100% original, but I I've read it. I've heard it somewhere. I, I truly do not realize that I've come across this. And maybe I read it like 10 years ago or something like that. And it's just starting to happen where the accumulation of thoughts and experiences are muddled enough. You know, it's not like I'm losing my mind. I'm not quite there, but there's just this stew of stuff that makes it so that you, you can't tell that this thing isn't yours or it's not true. Do you worry about inadvertently having something like that happen. And yes, out. I absolutely do. So you're like in good faith making Yeah, it and,
1: and I think I think about it, I worry about it primarily through the lens of like ideas that other friends of mine have had around me and stuff too because especially just the people that we hang out with, uh, especially they come from like very improv-heavy backgrounds, like acting, performing, comedy, stuff like that. And sometimes there's times where like, you know, you're at a party or you're just hanging out at the house and you're just riffing on something for like 10 minutes or something like that. And I'm always so afraid of like... I I know my truth, and I know in my heart that, like, I would never consciously steal a thought or an idea for somebody, and it, it, it always scares me, too, if it's like, maybe I'll pitch an idea, and when one of my friends is like, oh, you know, I kind of already had that idea, and I was like, shit, you know, so I I'm just... I hope that I don't get to the point where that happens very regularly at all too. So I always, I that's why I find it really important too, uh, to write my ideas down and I have it down, like whenever I have any scrap of ideation, I'll write it down and I know that it's all in like chronological order for when I actually thought it out and I can check my log history. So, and this has not happened yet, but in the off chance that it's like I write something down and it is an idea and somebody else had an idea, I can say, no, I did write it down then. Um, so I just, I try to get ahead of it any way I can, you know,
0: it's, it's like when you, it's like a
2: mental browser. History.
1: Exactly. And it's like, uh, it's like now, especially like our friends out here and stuff, I, I'm, I'm friends with so many people that are doing what I'm doing too. And like relatable sketch comedy stuff, people are probably going to be just having the same ideas. And in, in a lot of ways, it's kind of just like who executes it first you know i'm sitting on an ideas list of a thousand ideas a lot of those i might not ever make into videos but i wrote them down you know i had that thought i had that germ of a of a joke or something and i put it down so at least in my mind it helps me to just be like i know my truth here and it's backed up because i put it there at that time you know
0: and then when somebody else makes it and it goes super viral you're like man that was a good idea. At least I could feel confident yeah. in the fact that when I had that idea, I knew it was a good one. What I was gonna say before we wrap up is we when we're talking about like joke stealing and stuff, and I didn't write this down before because I it slipped my mind, but you had an entire video beat for beat stolen, uh, which was the cat at three AM
1: video. Oh yeah, that right? was that was I pretty mean, similar, yeah. It was, it was pretty similar. I just pretty similar. Yeah. it
0: was That was the same video. It,
1: I, I, for that case too. And I think I said it publicly, like that one was a situation where I was under the impression that that person did consciously take it from me because there was a, there was a lot of like back and forth too. of, I, I spoke to him very briefly here. Let me even just, uh, not, not to say exactly what he said, not like between any private stuff, but they, they sent me a message after the fact, um, and, and because publicly there was like an admission of like, oh, I'd never actually seen this, blah, blah, blah. And then the person was like, oh, no, I had, I had, I was a fan of yours. Sorry, I'm kind of jumbling right now. I was just was trying to pull it up here. But yeah, I, I had a, my, my literal most, uh, Most popular video of all time is every cat at 3 a.m. And again, it's not like comedy groundbreaking material. It's like cats lose their shit in the early hours of the morning. I had not seen anybody do a big sketch about that yet. So I made it about three years ago and I put it out. And uh, yeah, it was a couple months ago. uh, Another person uh, made a sketch and it went so stupid big across, like, social media and stuff. I know that Facebook and and Instagram views are a bit inflated, but but it was doing, like, tens of millions of views across, like, multiple platforms, so a ton of people saw it, and that person, you know, wore pretty much the exact same shitty cat outfit, changed the title to Every Cat at 4 a.m., so they just bumped it forward an hour. Oh, that's complete. And it was, like, it was for all (laughs) intents and purposes it really just seemed like that was come on dude you knew exactly what you're doing and this wasn't just like a random person you know like it wasn't somebody that maybe had a couple hundred youtube followers like this is somebody that already does this at least semi full-time because they had a few hundred thousand followers across their social platforms and stuff it's like i know what you're doing you make sketches all the time and they ultimately deleted it so i appreciate that they did that but it's like that just seemed like come on dude like that's not super cool you know I didn't know that they deleted it. That's interesting. But there
0: is this... I have seen this on Twitter specifically. I don't know what you call it, but this kind of culture of how... Uh, where people believe stealing memes and stealing jokes is not a, a problem. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's just like nabbing. It's like, oh, I nabbed this. It's like, you nabbed this? That, that's like... Just a weak euphemism for stole. Like, what are are we talking about exactly here? Yeah. Like, now we're proud of that? I don't get it.
1: Yeah, I don't... I agree too. And the funniest, I guess it's funny in the sense that it's just silly. Like some of the worst perpetrators of like, uh, material theft like that online are just celebrities that aren't ever posting their own stuff. You know, I don't know if they're managing their own page, if they have some community manager that's handling their social media post stuff, but it's like, I will regularly see, especially on Facebook and, and sometimes on Instagram, it's like, Hey, here's a rapper. Hey, here's an actor. And then it's just like, Bruh, who did this? And then they just do a full video. You know, it's, like that stuff happens all the time. But yeah, Twitter's a great example of that too because it's like there's really no copyright system and I guess because there's not technically any big monetization aspects of it, I think people feel compelled to be like, "Ah, eh, it's, you know, I'm not stealing from you, I'm not making money, I'll just throw it up there, you know? It's frustrating.
2: I can think of a couple accounts uh, that are on both sides mm-hmm. of this where <sighs> there are one or two guys who just, I, I know with almost every tweet they make, I can pop a term in and with one guy, I do this a lot and send it to people Mm -hmm. he knows just because I enjoy like exposing him underneath, you know, the surface on that. Um, But I can put it in and there's something that's 80 percent of the way there in terms of what makes that joke. Yes. Uh, And he, you know, he didn't change one or two words. He, he, He stole the scenario. And tweaked it a little bit, or put five minutes of thought into somebody else's joke, and then there's there are a couple guys who are constantly getting stolen Mm -hmm. from. Uh, There's really funny kids who have a couple hundred uh, Twitter followers. They say the funniest shit day in and day out and i just want to hang out with these kids cuz they're yeah. so funny and then i see you know they make some friends uh, who are more popular and those people just raid those those kids minds for awesome tweets that in 10 minutes get more likes than the other person has yeah. followers you know and this happens over and over no it's over. pretty it's like Motown in, in the <laughs> yeah. watching people get taken take advantage it's,
1: of it. It's honestly pretty ridiculous. Uh, and, and even, too, before we drift too far past it, I don't want to brush it under the rug, I couldn't find the Instagram message from mm. that person. I don't know if they deleted it. I didn't have any correspondence with them, that cat at 4 a.m. thing. I just know they removed it from their YouTube channels after they apologized. But it was after they'd already done uh, some deals with, like, the little ad bibles, the Unilads of the world, to, like, put it on bigger Facebook pages and stuff like that. But just to kind of close the doors on that. <clears throat>
0: Oh, those sites are the worst. They're those, awful. Those like aggregate, I don't even know what you call them, but we've had, I've, I've gotten emails from them and, uh, well, you know, they'll want to put Vsauce videos up there and it's like, Hey, you know, we're like a real big fan of like so-and-so video. And, uh, you know, we just would like your permission to, uh, upload it and we'll give you credit. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, Ooh, boy. credit, yeah. <laughs> Like that will really help me pay my mortgage this month is yeah. your awesome credit. <laughs> like. Uh, excuse me? <laughs>
1: exactly and now we're at the point too for a lot of people I, I'm not very good at maintaining like a, a Facebook or an Instagram audience at all. I primarily post through YouTube, put my stuff on Twitter but now I, I hear from a lot of people that prioritize Facebook especially like their CPMs are significantly higher in a lot of cases than YouTube deals and stuff so it's like you're getting videos with tens of millions of views on here like that is really going to rack up a lot of my friends that do uh, even sketch stuff on Facebook and YouTube consistently make more money off of Facebook and these big sites like Unilad and Land. Bible and stuff like that. Like they, they just, they're just. Constantly in an, an eternally starving for content state and they're always looking for stuff and even still like I, I Will consistently get reached out to from these people and the most that they're ever willing to pay is like fifty dollars It may be a hundred dollars at most I think that's the most I ever got paid for a Facebook deal is like 100 to 150 dollars And it's like I know that you're making thousands and thousands from this. It's it's crap And now I understand that Facebook algorithm doesn't prioritize off-site linking So you always be like alright. Well, can you link to my YouTube channel and they will be like well? The most we can do is put a comment, and then just say that your YouTube channel's in the comment. It's it's a joke, and I I, I try to encourage younger creators, especially as often as possible, avoid doing business with these companies. They're just these giant aggregate thieving com- companies that just steal content from people all the time.
0: Yeah, it would be one thing if they were like, "Hey, we'd love to use your video, and we will give you all of the money." Yeah, and, you know, and we'll we'll build our brand off of the back of your creativity and labor. But to be like, oh, we'll build our brand on the back of your creativity and labor. Also take all of the money, but, you know,
1: we'll give you a little credit in
0: the comments. It's like that is so slimy. It's unbelievable. No,
1: it's disgusting. And they the thing is too, just by the nature of what is usually on those big pages is most of the content is like just kind of viral stuff that pops off. Maybe it's a kid that catches something funny at school. Maybe it's a dumb traffic accident thing. So the user base that they're drawing from is primarily people that don't have any experience whatsoever doing business like this. So they can just hit up these kids and just be like, hey, can we give you a video? Oh, okay, cool. They'll get millions of views. Great. And it's like, great that you just made that company like thousands of dollars and you got taken advantage of it's just it's such a new medium too even though facebook's been around now for many years here but there's there's no precedent and a lot of people just don't know about it and so people are just rampantly getting taken advantage of online there
0: well and they got sued for like hundreds of millions of dollars too for lying to advertisers based upon inflate over inflating their views so you know facebook itself is really gross i think it's funny now that Facebook is using its name as like a legit like a legitimacy booster. What I mm-hmm. mean by that is now when you open Instagram, it's like Instagram by Facebook. Yeah. Or you see these these commercials for Oculus, and it's like Oculus from Facebook. Yes. And I'm like, this is doing the opposite of what you think it's doing. <laughs> Especially Oculus,
1: where it's just like dog, like who oh, come on? What kind of client overlap do you think it's like, oh I'm an Oculus enthusiast? Oh, I'm a Facebook enthusiast. There's no matchup.
0: Like, oh, Facebook is making this? That makes me definitely not want to be involved yeah. with it because Facebook <laughs> It's like, like- Am
1: I going to put on VR chat and run into my racist uncle somewhere on there that's using Facebook? I don't know. Like, there's no overlap. Yeah. I don't get it.
0: Yeah.
2: Can we machine gun a couple uh, of those questions? Yeah, without a way, doubt. I'm totally good if out.
1: you guys are.
0: Um, oh, Oh. yeah. Sure, sure. Okay.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm cool.
0: So, Um. Uh, one of them, uh, Trev, who is one of uh, our creator tier- patrons wants to know really just kind of i mean this is such a, a broad i don't know how you machine gun this but the state of comedy on the internet mm-hmm. is really weird you know like fu- uh, uh, college humor is now d- uh, dead uh-huh. uh funny or die like that is kind of dead a-, a lot of these comedy channels i mean i was really close with uh <laughs> What, what?
2: Sorry, I just I just realized it actually happened. You know, funny or die. Well, shit, <laughs> you died. It, like th- that choice has been made Damn now. It, I, I
0: I think it's still around in some capacity, but I don't know what that capacity is. So, like, what do you what are your thoughts about like doing comedy on the internet as a business?
1: Yeah, I think that. Especially looking at it from a business standpoint, we're in this really weird kind of transitional period, uh, where I think a lot of companies like Funny or Die, uh, or even like Comedy Central in some sense have really poured a lot of time and money into trying to build an online audience. And I think that generally speaking, comedy on YouTube and, and, well, I mean, just comedy on the internet, especially sketch comedy stuff too has really drifted way back to kind of like the YouTube days of old where people want to watch this kind of homegrown, low-budgety like, shitty setup comedy like, that is what's funny to them, it's relatable it's, most of the stuff that's popping off is like, Casey Frey setting up his phone, dancing in his room, you know, Trevor Wallace just doing a bunch of character one-liners just shooting on a cell phone or a quick camera or something like that, like, people want to see that right now, so I think right now a lot of these bigger companies, uh, you know not speaking on their behalf, but I think like the funnier dies the college humors there's so much overhead and operating cost to what they're doing and i think that they're just getting buried by these kids in their rooms that are just like i got a cell phone and a good idea fuck you i don't need a million dollars boom there's a whole sketch you know like i and what i, I mean i look at what i'm it? doing too and i and I'm, I'm really grateful that people like what i'm doing and i'm lucky financially in the sense that uh, like w- when i make something I, it cost me like a dollar to make a video half the time. You know, I was like, do I do we have some tape and a paper and a pen. <laughs> all right. I'm a United Airlines employee. Put that little thing on my chest. Like that's all I need. Uh, what were you going to say, Kevin?
0: Well, and and then you, yeah, you go back home to Wisconsin and you use your camcorder from childhood and you just yell out like funny Midwestern dog names and everybody loves it. And it, and it is really funny. But my question is on top of that, why is it? Now, because I don't have the answer to this, so I'd love your insight. Why is it that like big budget scripted comedy
1: is cringy now? I think that, I mean, that's a great question. My personal belief is that. With so much overexposure to everything in terms of, like, uh just entertainment and even, like, news and stuff, I think people are just inherently distrustful of people taking themselves too seriously. And I think that it's a, a trait that's really resonating with people a lot right now is just being really genuine and, and honest and straightforward with stuff. And I, I also believe that, too, if you're a person that's trying to create the comedy... Uh, you really stack the deck against yourself if you go super high budget for comedy stuff right now, because it's like, dog, this better be really good if I can tell that you got like a four camera set up and it's well lit and that there's professional actors and stuff. Whereas if, you know, your Fair Baron Films putting a towel on your head, oh, I'm a lady, I've got a towel on my head, or you're Ian Kung taping a piece of paper to your shirt to like make, your, make you... Be a different character, like the 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 bar is set lower, and and it's just funnier seeing like oh that person's being shitty on purpose. I I think that's just the taste of what's going on right now.
0: Yeah, it seems like the more resources you pour into it, you're right. Like the greater the expectations need to ramp up alongside that, and it's at we're at a point where it's almost impossible to clear that bar unless you're like Eddie Murphy, yeah. <laughs> unless you're like Dave Chappelle, and like you're such. Such an A-list, like legendary comedian that you can clear that hurdle, but everybody else below that, it seems really, really hard to be that funny when the stakes are that high. Yeah,
1: and I think that right now, at least for me personally, the only time that I really find... Uh, higher production things funny is if it's done with a kind of a very shit posty narrative, you know, where it's, it's not taking itself seriously. It's very ironic, self aware meta. And I think about the things that have aged very well like that too. Like you, you mentioned police squad. I'm a huge fan of the naked gun movies and stuff too. Like those are, how old are those? 20, 30 years old now? And I mean, God, at least, yeah, probably 30, 40. And,
2: yeah police academy was like
1: exactly and it's like you throw any of those things on today and I guarantee like a, a TikTok kid would watch that and probably laugh at a few things in the movie because yes it is high budget but also it's like it's not taking itself seriously so I think with a lot of the content that's going on right now it's not high budget it doesn't seem very try hard and it's not taking itself seriously and I think that just resonates with a lot of people
0: I do want to clarify that police academy and police squad
1: are not the same thing. I, I know I conflated the two together police squad only lasted for like a season too, didn't it? Wasn't it like six episodes.
0: Yeah, well, you have like the yeah that you have the Naked Gun movies. It's like that universe with like Leslie Nielsen, yes. where yeah, those are over the top, self aware, stupid. Whereas the Police Academy movies are just stupid. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I had to look it up to verify. Too, funny. yeah, it is.
1: It's one season. Police Squad. I, I God, I do that dumb shit all the time. I'm way more well versed in the Police SQUADS, the Naked Guns. I didn't really watch Police Academy. I'm sorry, comedy gods. (laughs) Forgive me. I think
2: they're all coming to Netflix. Oh, dude. Police Academy? 99% sure. I just read this this week that all the police academies are coming to Netflix.
0: That'd be great. Oh. Well, you need to watch them only so that, um, you know, the next time we talk, it's very clear that Police Academy is one thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: going to get roasted in your comments for that, too. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) Shit. No, no, no. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Gus, Gus, nobody is as old as Matt and I. The, nobody has seen the Police Academy movies. <laughs> nobody Absolutely is. nobody. Nobody if ever anybody whoa. listening <laughs> has watched the Police Academy movies, then please go out of your way to leave a comment or mention it in Discord because I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair.
2: Did we get to, did we get to ask properly about about the tour because you talked about it a little bit with wanting to you know forcing yourself to do stand-up and going on the tour but Ben W who uh helps us out uh, with the show uh in sure. several different ways um, he wanted to know uh, what that was like with uh, on the tour what was what was the best thing about the tour and what was the worst oh thing
1: great question well I appreciate you asking by the way thank you um I the best th- part of the tour was without a doubt the shows. Uh, I, I just, they went so, so well. I think we did close to 40 shows around the U S this last, uh, fall, uh, and, and just the shows went so well. I was really happy with the material. I wrote the hour to be, uh, straight up stand up with a couple just quick, dumb little musical ditties. Uh, think of like a shittier, low budget Bo Burnham. I tried to do that maybe for about 20% of the set. Um, and and I and I wrote it in a way that if you were just a random townie that walked in and saw my set, you would get all of it. It's not me just like Gus Johnson victory lap, like, Oh hey guys, you remember me from YouTube? <laughs> here's that. Here's a story from behind that <laughs> you know, like that, that doesn't have a lot of staying power, in my opinion. And I wanted to set it up where it's like, if people came to this first round, it's like, okay, I saw Gus's show this near, this year. Next year, I'm going to have a full new hour. It's going to be completely different. Uh, man, the shows went so well. I did like an hour 15 main set. Uh, sometimes I fluctuated up to even an hour 40. And then I would do a half hour Q and A typically afterwards. And then we did the meet and greet. So, uh, it was, it was just a lot of fun. But the, the, the worst part was just logistically, Everything travel and planning wise went wrong everything you could think of. I mean we missed flights We lost reservations. We had to rent u-haul trucks to drive between shows because there were no cars available We got gasoline spilled on all our merch. We lost like $1,500 worth of t-shirts and stuff We got uh, we had to chase down UPS trucks that were misdelivering merch for shows and stuff like that it the whole thing was a goddamn mess but when I was on stage it was pretty fun. <laughs> so
0: wait, wait. So when, so, so next tour, you need a bus and it's the Gus bus.
1: <laughs> the Gus bus, I know, but that's the thing though, Kevin, I'm so low overhead. I could never do a bus. <laughs> I was like, it was just, Kevin, do you remember when that came
2: out? The Gus, what, the bench warmers, that, right? When we were, when we were in high school, the County had developed, the County here developed a transportation system that went to like in between mm-hmm. towns, uh, in, in between the, the city of like 10,000. Kevin, don't you remember that was called Gus the Gus Bus? Gus the Bus, I
0: know, yeah, yeah. It went from Cooperstown to Oneonta. Not that those town names yeah. mean anything yeah. to anyone. But yeah, we we had we had a, a bus called Gus the Bus. I don't know what, why it was called that, but, um, you know, so that might be copyright uh, Otsego County, but, you know, I think you could come up with another name <laughs> for your tour bus. <laughs> I'll workshop
1: it. I think that was in Benchwarmers too. So shit, I got two things against me here. I'll figure it out. Yeah, I don't I don't think I would want to do the tour busy thing. It would make it a lot easier in some senses. And I could probably bang out the tour way quicker and just kind of compact everything together. But even though it was kind of miserable traveling and stuff, there was something kind of fun and endearing uh, from road tripping from town to town when uh, all hell wasn't breaking loose, you know? Yeah,
0: it's about the journey and the memories that we made (laughs) along the way. (laughs) Blessings. Look, I think I think we hit everything. I'm amazed uh, that we that we were able to do that. We went a little longer than uh, normal, but you know what, Gus, you're just such a joy. Oh,
1: boys, God dang you
0: to speak with. (laughs) (laughs) No, all all I hope is someday you know we get to be part of the boys. you have a whole boys thing, right? The boys supporting boys. Oh, yeah, you're already
1: part of the boys. Everybody's a boy. Girls, boys, whatever you want to be, that's, everyone's a boy. Just got to be good to your buddies.
0: Okay, that's the message. That's
1: the message. Next time you fellas are in town, too, let's grab a beer, all right? Absolutely. Not you, you viewers at home, though. Fuck you. You're not invited. Thanks for listening, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still, still support you. you. <laughs> I love you, though. No, thanks for having me on, though, but guys. This is a lot of fun. I really appreciate it.
0: All right, Gus. Thanks, Thanks, man. You bet. Talk Later. soon. All right. See you, space cowboys. Thanks for listening to the Create Unknown. If you liked what you heard, and I certainly hope that you did, please subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast, and leave us a review on PodChaser and Apple Podcasts. Those reviews really go a long way. While you're at it, you can also watch the video version of this show on YouTube.com/slash the Create Unknown. Check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. You can get the full episode. You can join the Idea Baby Gang, become one of the known, access creator services. There's a lot going on on our Patreon. It's all part of phase three of TCU. So go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Follow us on social media. We tweet at createunknown. We're on Facebook and Instagram at thecreateunknown. You can follow me, Matt, and the show on Podchaser for podcast updates. You can also find a link to our Discord in the show notes. We love our Discord because we get to talk to you, and you get to talk to us. So join our Discord. Our website is thecreateunknown.com. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production. We've been your hosts, Kevin Lieber and Matt Tabor. Check out what we do on YouTube at Vsauce2 and on Twitter at Kev Lieb and Tabor TCU. Links in the show notes. This episode was edited by Zalgalu. Our theme song is by the incredible Mega Drive. Special thanks to Paula Lieber, Mo Lewitt. Until next time, see ya space cowboys.